Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Yes, indeed, and I'm joined by our friend Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. Hello. Good morning, Julie. Good morning. Happy New Year again. Happy New Year. How long can we continue to say that? I heard two weeks. Two weeks is it. then, (laughs) Then it's over. I think it depends on when you last saw the person. That's probably true. Like, I probably won't wish you that nah, in two weeks nah, when I see you. No, <laughs> we, we've seen each other for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Now, <laughs> but uh, Julie's here to answer your lawn and garden questions, and uh, we uh, we love it that she loves to do that and very thing. And it's a thing. new year. It is, yes. And you're thinking, here it is, 32 degrees, you're going to talk lawns and gardens. Oh, yeah. 52 weeks a year, people want to talk lawns they and gardens do. around here. They do. So call, call in your question or send Julie your text. Let me give you those numbers. 651-989-9226. Uh, the text number is 81807. Smart Garden sponsored by By the Yard Maintenance Free Outdoor Furniture. And I urge you to visit ByTheYard.net for those good folks down there in Jordan, Minnesota. Well, I tell you, I, I'm going to give you a progress report of my lemon tree. Excellent. Our lemon tree. Excellent. It's not as if I'm, it's just mine. It's not exclusively no. yours. No. But boy, it, it's fragrant. Mine is too. Yours is too. What is this the time of year? Of course, yeah. Because I told you I put up a couple of grow lights. Right. And it's out thriving. of your ceiling and your can lights. Yeah, the ceiling, can lights. Which I thought was brilliant. That's awesome. Yeah, brilliant it, it, and brilliant. It worked out <laughs> uh, just fine. But is it, it? Is this something that they bloom a lot during their growing? Yeah, they're winter bloomers. Mine is. I've never seen my tree bloom like it is. Um, you know, we had the year this outside of masting. Do you remember that term? Oh, yes. Before yeah. where trees put out a huge amount of seed or they bloom a lot or a lot of fruit. And um, it's due to environmental changes or stress or something uh, going on. But I feel like my lemon tree is masting right now. <laughs> I've never seen so many flowers on it. Now, granted, all those flowers are not going to produce lemons because the tree is in a pot. It's just not going to be able to support that much fruit. But I'm hoping I get you know, if I get half a dozen on there, that'd be awesome. And what about uh, so this is not very large now. No, and Sandy did trim it a little yeah, bit because it got a little unwieldy there. Right. Yeah. But what? I mean, it will grow fruit, right? It will grow fruit. Um, I like to take a Q-tip, and you can you can tell there's male and female flowers on a lemon tree. The female flowers have a stigma that pokes out the center of the flower, and it's sticky on the end. And if you take a little pollen from the flowers that don't have that stigma, and you just dab it onto the stigma. You'll be doing the work of the bees. No kidding. Yeah. I've got something yeah. to do this There you afternoon. go. Yep. You just need a Q-tip <laughs> and your right. reading glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not necessarily in that order. <laughs> 651-989-9226. Text 81807. 
Texter says, I have a jade plant, which I feel needs to be transplanted to new soil and a larger, deeper pot. What is the method for transplanting as I originally planted it as a broken clipping in a soil that was designed for cactus and desert plants? Yeah, use the same kind of soil. It's obviously been doing great. It's going to be tricky to transplant. They're very brittle, and you'll break off some branches. So you might want to do a little bit of transplanting. trimming back where uh, and take those cuttings in and you could root them around the base of your new plant. So uh, find a pot maybe a couple of inches larger. They don't require a huge uh, pot. And then uh, go ahead and, and gently lift it out, put in some fresh soil, drop your plant in there. And then uh, if you do break anything off, just make a nice clean cutting with a pruner and, and just drop them right into the soil around there and water it in. And you'll get a nice bushy Multiple plants in that plant. Great. In that pot. I have to do the same thing. I've got three of them in three separate pots, and it's time to, they're starting to tip over. Time to listen time to, to your own advice. Time to listen to my own advice. Right. <laughs> 651 I see one line is open if you'd like to fill it or send Julie a text if that's easier. 81807. Let's go to the phones, Julie. Jim's calling from Golden Valley. Jim, you're on CCO with Julie. Hi, Julie. Hi, Jim. Uh, we have a 50 year old linden tree and just as last year the squirrels found a way to get into the the core of it we got some put some mesh on it and so forth and uh, they sealed up one location but they found another location and i'm just wondering will they kill that tree boy that's a that's a great question um i'm not sure they will kill the tree but they'll probably load it up with like black walnuts if there's a tree nearby or other nuts, acorns that they collect. Um, they will surely, um, they'll probably do some chewing on that tree, but a 50-year-old linden's a pretty big tree. Um, I guess I would be more concerned structurally, and I would suggest in the spring you contact a certified arborist and have them just come out and take a look at that tree just to be sure that uh, that it's not going to be a hazard tree in a storm or um, and particularly if it's close to your house, you don't want a branch falling on the roof or anything like that. So, but I don't think the squirrels will be able to kill it. That's a that's a good old tree. Um, but I again, I'd suggest having a certified arborist come out. We have a publication on our site that will be helpful. Our site is uh, extension.umn.edu, and if you go to trees and shrubs under yard and garden, you'll find how to hire an arborist. And I would take a look at that. It gives you some good questions that you can ask an arborist and also gives you some contact information. Julie, you're going to have to help me with this text. I'm not sure if the, if it's a spelling error. What is the effect of rusting? Is it rusty nails in normal garden soil? Rust, oh, rusting. Yeah, rust? rusty nails. Um, not much, I don't think. Um, I've heard of that before. It's kind of an old... Uh, old-time um, solution for adding iron to soil. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It's much easier and more effective to purchase a fertilizer that has iron in it. And um, I, I think people are probably trying to make up for the iron chlorosis, which happens when you have a high alkaline soil and a plant is not able to take up iron uh, due to that higher pH. So I would sir, I would go and find a... Um, you know, a, a proper fertilizer for that. And you, and if that's the case, then I would look at a, um, a fertilizer that's for an acid-loving plant. 
and something that will provide the right pH that will allow the iron in the soil to be taken up. Oh, interesting. So that's I'm for guessing real. that's what, the, yeah. what they're talking about. I bet you're about. right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. David is calling from Minneapolis, I believe. David, you're on with Julie. Uh, hi, Julie. I, I was wondering if a banana tree would be okay in Minneapolis in the summertime? Yes, it will be okay. It, it's something that you can grow out on your deck or patio. You can, huh? Yeah, you can bring it outside. I don't know if you're going to get any bananas because it needs a longer growing period. But you can, and if you have a house that's big enough and a nice big sunny, like a sliding glass door or a big sunny window, you could try bringing it inside and growing it inside as well. Uh, they get really big, so so if you're successful, uh, you may... Uh, uh, you know, you may have a room, a space challenge, but uh, but yes, you can certainly grow that outside. Texture. Thanks, David. Interesting. That's a good question. I've never had a banana question no, before. My friend time. Jan grows bananas down in Mexico. so um, the, the area is a little more conducive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and once they fruit, I think they actually die. Oh, they send up little sprouts around it for the next uh, generation, but hmm. uh, they don't live very long after they fruit. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. That's the phone number. Text number is eight one eight zero seven. Speaking of which, Julie, is there something to worry about having raspberries, grapes, and strawberries in the same area? Most mostly worried about spreading diseases between the plants. We had that question last week. We did. So they might have missed the answer. Uh-huh. Those plants are all from different uh, different genre, different um, families, and um, they usually don't spread this viruses between them. I can't say that 100%. I'd have to check with our fruit and veg person. But what you might find is that bacteria or fungi is spread between them, such as powdery mildew or black um, or gray mold. Those are, those are non-selective, uh, let's say. And so that might be the case. And you can alleviate a lot of those problems by proper uh, watering practices, watering the base of the plant, not overhead watering. And uh, mulching the plants so that you don't have soil splashing uh, pathogens up under the plants. And then also um, by spreading the plants apart enough, by planting them with enough space between them so you don't have these plants all crammed together in one space. That's very conducive to molds and fungi uh, spreading between the plants. If you're just joining us, Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M is uh, with us answering your questions this morning. And uh, I know we have to break here shortly. A couple of things. Uh, w- w- I was by the Arboretum yesterday, Ooh, just yesterday, yeah. and uh, what a great place. I love that. T- tell us a little bit about that, what it is. Somebody, some folks maybe have never been there. Yeah, I was at Whole Foods yesterday and uh, picking up some uh, ingredients for my spaghetti tonight, uh-huh. and I was talking with the cashier, and she said, oh, she said, you work, do you work at the Arboretum? Because I mentioned, we were talking about the romaine scare that happened yes. with the E. coli, and, and everything's cleared up on that now. But um, I did ask her about that, and, she, and I said, I work in horticulture. And she said, oh, I love the Arboretum. Do you ever work out there? I said, yes, I do. And I happened to have a couple passes in my wallet. And so I said, well, here, go on back out there. She said, I just got out there the first time. I said, well, here, go back again. And then I handed one to the woman who was bagging my groceries. I said, you guys could go together. This will be fun. And so, uh, yeah, it's a great place to go. Any time of the year is fantastic. They have great uh, walking trails in the winter. And when we have enough snow, they groom the trails. We have snowshoeing out there. Um, one of the neat things about going out in the winter is that you actually can take a look at the plants 
and see them in their winter with their winter interest. Uh-huh. So when you're thinking about plants this spring coming up, don't just think about how they look in the spring or the summer or the fall, but also in the winter. Will they add anything to your landscape? Like point. ornamental grasses. You know, Mary is the the expert in that. And you go to the grass collection and it's amazing. Just the winter interest, the frost on the grasses and the shapes and colors, it's really tremendous. So this is a great time of year to go out there. And How do we find it? You can go out on Highway 5 West, just past uh, the intersection of 41, and uh, and you'll see the signs for it's that. It's on the too. way to Chanhassen Chaskay. That's right. right. Yeah. Yep, yep. And so it's great. Now, for those that want to see the abiders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not at the Arboretum until summertime. We'll but, be there in the summertime. But where are you going to play? You guys playing next? We are playing at a new place at the American Legion in Hopkins on January 11th and 12th. We have a two-night gig. So. next weekend. Yeah, that's next weekend. Yeah, it'll be me, me and the boys. Well, mention that to us uh, yeah. before you leave today. 7 to 11. Will. All right, good deal. All right, Scott, you're going to be next on the phone. Texters, here's your number, 81807. We'll pick up on both phone calls and text messages here on our Smart Garden Show on 830-WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. We're answering your questions by phone and by text. And we have both, Julie. Scott and Isanti is on the horn with a question for you. Go ahead, Scott. We're listening. Hey, good morning. morning. I have a large vegetable garden area that I've been I haven't planted on for the last two years. I've been composting, grass clipping, trees, manure, and stuff. My question is, I'm not going to be able to plant this year because of travel. Is there any benefit to just letting it grow as it grows wild, or is there a benefit to till it up? Well, I think one thing that uh, if you let it grow, you're going to end up with a lot of weeds. And so uh, if you just let it, you know, leave it alone and not do anything about it. If you till it, you could end up with leaves, with weeds as well. So either way, I don't, I, I, if there's, if you're not going to be using it, then it's, you're just going to have to do some weed management when you um, do plant to plant, you know, the following year, for example. So just, just bear that in mind. What I'd recommend though is, is if possible, when you are back home, um, and not traveling is to get out there and do some weeding. You don't want the weeds to go to seed if you can help that. And uh, and if you can just kind of stay on top of that, especially the bigger weeds like thistle and and some of those that might come about, then um, then that'll help with the following year. But you can expect to have some some a weedy uh, garden bed probably for that for this summer coming up. All right, Scott. Thank thank you. Uh, line is open six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Yeah. Letting it lie fallow. A lot of people think that's the correct need term. to travel. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's totally. a good idea, too. It could Keep mulch the it, down. too. could put some, uh, yeah. some, you know, he's been mixing in the compost and the grass clippings, which is great. He could also mulch it. He could stretch plastic over it. I was going to say, can you cover it with Put some, some uh, yeah. You could do that. You could cover it with that uh, just to keep the weeds down. Sure. All right, let's go back to the text uh, screen. We have a tree, Texter says, that in the summertime is completely covered with box elder larvae, young ones and adults. What can we do in the spring so that doesn't happen anymore? Boy, not much. Box elders are nuisances. They're really not uh, detrimental. They don't eat things. They're just kind of, people don't like a lot of bugs, no matter what they are, in all in one place. They get kind of, yeah. ugh, you know, grossed out by it. Um not much to do about it. They are attracted to box elder trees, I believe. 
So you may have some uh, scrappy box elder trees, which are in the maple family, by the way. Are they really? And, yep, and uh, they're a native plant, but uh, but they do attract them, uh, I believe. And so you may want to look around your yard. You might have some areas that you don't, you know, if you're on the edge of a woodland area or something, and you maybe want to remove a few of those uh, smaller trees that are close to your house and keep your keep the weeds down around them. And those box elders will seed pretty readily. So um, they like warm uh, environments like sides of southern sides of houses, western sides. If there's any way you can shade that, um, if there's a, I don't know. So it's it's kind of like I wouldn't worry too much about it at that point. Wonder if somebody could introduce uh, uh, things for birds to come in. And hey, that's a good idea. To yeah, eat, eat those. Maybe encourage the birds, and that might help with the, especially the larvae. Yeah, that's a great a idea. Thought. Boy, you're a smart gardener. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how to get the birds there. But. <laughs> Sue is calling from Egan. Sue, you're on CCO with Julie. Hi. Hi. I have a question for you. I have a a, a beautiful indoor hibiscus Ooh. that first got decimated by the deer and the <laughs> uh, rabbits, one right after the other. Oh, boy. I saved it during this summer, brought it in last winter, had it going a summer. It looked like it was going well. It was ready to bloom. Brought it in the house. I have sun windows. Okay. Had them there. And then I had it downstairs. But all of a sudden, leaves are turning yellow spotted. Okay. And falling off. I mean, it's, but I'm trying to think of a way to do it. Well, bringing the plant inside, uh, because of the change of the environment, the lighting, the air, the humidity, will often cause plants that have been outside to drop a lot of leaves. That's the first thing. So that it could just be that. Uh, the other thing is to check your watering. Uh, House plants, we uh, a lot of times we tend to overlove them. <laughs> we water them too much. So make sure your pot is draining well. If the hibiscus sits in a secondary pot, like an attractive pot, uh, then take it out of that pot to water it. In other words, take if it's sitting in a nursery pot within a pot, take it out of that uh, and, and put it in the sink or, or in um, uh, some place where you can water it and allow it to freely drain. It may require some repotting. Uh, it might be pot-bound and it's just kind of lost all of its soil benefits and you might want to repot it. Uh, so I would just keep, you know, check all those things, make sure it's draining well, maybe think about repotting it. Uh, and then I would go ahead and just kind of let it drop its leaves, and it will re-sprout. Okay. It'll leaf back out. Very good, Those Sue. some darn good plants. Thank you very much, Sue. Uh, tell you, I know we have to take a break here, uh, Julie, but Norlene, I think, may have a box elder solution. Oh, good. Nor- Norlene, what, what's your idea? Well, it's <laughs> not. It's more than an idea. This really works. You take uh, a bowl or something and put water and dish detergent in it, and you mix it up, and you take it out there, and you throw it on wherever you've got a big cluster of these bugs, and it kills it kills them. Okay. Hmm. And gets rid of them, and, they, they, and they're gone. So it's like an insecticidal soap application. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. which you could also buy that pre-mixed, too. So um, that's another... Another option. But you just wouldn't have the fun of throwing a bowl yeah, out of yeah, the Yeah, the satisfaction. <laughs> right. Darn bugs. <laughs> Thanks, Norlene. <laughs> we have to take a quick break. We do have another half hour of the show to go. Call us or text us, 651-989-9226. Text 81807. 32 degrees here in Newstalk A30 WCCO.
And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show, brought to us by By the Yard Maintenance-Free Outdoor Furniture. I hope you visit ByTheYard.net. If you're just joining us, Denny Long here with Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. What is that website again, Julie? Extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden, and it is looking fine. You guys put a lot of work in. We that. have been right. I just posted geraniums. Mm. <laughs> All right. So there's this a good web page on geraniums there. <laughs> but if you uh, want some good reading. And, yeah, uh, you, a lot you of good can... pictures, too. We've been working hard on images. <laughs> good deal. All right, U of M. And also our Yard and Garden News blog, which is found right when you go first to our homepage, and it says Read the Yard and Garden News. That's a great, timely, uh, we write it every couple of weeks, and there's some really good um, information on there now that uh, about New Year's resolutions. Oh, for your yard for gardeners, yeah. Uh, and you guys get a lot of hits on that uh, site, don't millions. you? Millions, literally millions. Millions, yeah. All right, it's great. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's our extension people, our communications folks have been working their tails off. We have really a, doing a great job. And speaking of, we have tons of text messages. <laughs> but Marion is waiting in Cambridge, right. and then we'll grab some text. Yeah, then we have a marathon on text. Marion, good morning. <laughs> What's your question, please? I have a large green plant that. Name S A N S E V I E V Sansevieria, Sansevieria snake plant. Well, it keeps tipping over. Yes, I don't want it to tip over. <laughs> what do you suggest, Julie? Uh, is it in a um, like a uh, a pot that could go inside of another pot? It's in a very large clay pot. Okay. And I'm thinking of taking it out and putting it in a smaller plastic self-watering. Yeah, so Sansevieria, or snake plant, also called mother-in-law's tongue, oh. uh, is a, a, a very non-needy plant. It does not need a lot of fertilizer. It doesn't need a lot of water. It doesn't need a lot of light. It's a great plant for growing in low-light environments. And uh, and it, so replanting it, uh, I, I'm surprised that in a large clay pot it's tipping over, and you and but because you don't want to go down to a small plastic pot because it's really going to tip over at that point. So um, what I would do is I would dig it up, and I would probably take the best of that plant. In other words, there's probably some leaves that are very tall and heavy. And there are some that are shorter, and you might want to split that plant into two pots and give one pot away to a friend or, and keep one pot, or if you really like the plant, is, is keep both of them. Um, and then I would then you could plant them into smaller pots, but you can't take a you don't want to take a plant from a great big pot and put it into a smaller pot. You're really just going to cause the make the trouble of it tipping over even worse. So um, that would be my recommendation is to divide that plant. All and right. you'll find it divides very easily. Each one of those clusters of leaves is really uh, a, a separate plant on its own. If you find roots that are kind of growing underground, just snip them off with a nice clean pruner and and uh, and go ahead and repot it. Thanks, Marion. Good luck with that. And repot it at the same depth that it's growing in right now. Ah, don't don't bury it deeper. All right. Uh, Texture and thank you for that. It says thanks for the all your info. Could listen for hours. Oh, thanks, mom. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> now, a listener heard us talking about the uh, lemon tree yeah. earlier. Yes, and he or she said, "I want to grow a lemon tree. How big is your pot, and how tall is your tree?" My pot is huge. It's the biggest plastic pot that I could fit in my house. <laughs> 
So it's very big and it's quite tall. It it sits also on a kind of a has wheels on it, a dolly. Oh sure. Because it, it I do have to move it around periodically. It's a it's a commitment to grow a lemon tree, as you know, Denny, because it, it's a tree. Is it four or five feet tall? It's or probably taller? four or five feet tall. Okay. Yep. It's about as tall as me and I'm five foot eight. So okay. um it's getting up there. It also requires light year-round. You have to have a really bright window to grow it in, like a sliding glass door that faces south would be great. Or you have to provide, like you and I do, yeah. supplemental lights with grow lights. So it's not uh, it's not a tree, a plant to be taken on lightly. It's a commitment. I like so. that phrase. It needs <laughs> yeah. light, but don't take it That's right. on lightly. It, That's all right. Don't take it on lightly. <laughs> all right. I think our, our tree yeah. is probably about four feet, it's probably, four, between yeah, four and five, it's I suppose. Pretty, you've had, I've had mine about four years. Oh, the, we haven't had it. We, now, just, we Mary, just got it last year. Mary has a calum, uh, calmadin orange tree mm. that was her grandmother's. No kidding. 50 years old. Wow. It's big, she says. It's really big. And, Knowing uh, Mary is probably healthy. Yeah, and it grows fruit all year long. And you, and, I mean, she, or not all year long, but, but you know, it grows a lot of fruit, and you can actually use it in a marmalade type. Wow. Yeah, so um so that's a good that's another option. All but right. it's a commitment. <laughs> eight one eight zero seven for your text messages. Can I cut back hydrangeas now in this warm spell? No, don't cut anything back right now. Um just wait until spring. You want to cut hydrangeas when the buds start to, to get large and start to they're called breaking when they start to open up. And uh, just just hold off on that. Enjoy the flower blossoms, the dried fl- blossoms in your landscape as winter interest. And also a text that followed that, when and how much can I prune my hydrangea paniculata? Oh, very good. Very good. A little, little Latin there. Two years of um, <laughs> Don't remember. But again, uh, just hold off on that. And let's ask that question in the spring. All right. Come back and ask it in very good. about April. All right, let's see another text question. I have a shamrock plant that is getting really leggy. Can I cut it back without killing it? Those are not plants you cut back. Uh, Each one of those little shamrocks comes out of a a little nodule-type growth called a corm. And if you look, if you poke your finger down below the soil, you'll see it. It's pink. And, uh, And so when it gets leggy like that, I would say it needs more light. I would move it into a brighter window or provide some supplemental light, like a grow light. A text, by the way, text number 81807. I live in the country, Texter says, and have been able to burn off the asparagus patch very early in the spring the last two years. I seem to have uh, fewer problems with insects and weeds in the asparagus. Does burning off the patch yeah, help with probably. insects? It probably does. Uh, it it uh it might, and uh, and you probably start with a nice clean patch too, which makes it really easy to pick those nice fresh sprouts. Hmm. Is it too early? Texas says to germinate tomato seeds indoors yeah, to later little, transplant out. A little bit early on that one. Um, I would hold off till maybe March, and I would uh, send you to our yard and garden news blog because our vegetable and fruit expert uh, Annie Claude has written a great publication on using milk jugs to get a jump on your tomato and, and pepper plants. Those plants really need warm environments, and they have a longer growing season. And so anything we can do in Minnesota to get a jump on those, and she's got some great tips on there on how to use those milk jugs. Yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah, it's a really good I idea. I like to do that mm-hmm. too. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 does the warning, you're going to have to help me with this, about uh, this is something oh, you've talked about. the elongated hemlock scale. Yes, on evergreen mm-hmm. uh, products include actual trees. Did we I, ever find out? That? I don't think it includes living trees. I haven't heard that. So if you buy a, a living tree, 
uh, from either of, um, you know, from a vendor. Um, I don't think so, but you can check it and you should be checking your trees anyway. Uh, take a, uh, just turn the leaves upside down, look at the underside of the scale of the, or of the needles for any kind of scale or anything. So uh, I don't think it's the living trees. It's mo- it's the cut products, the mm-hmm. garlands, the Christmas trees, the wreaths. Wreaths, things of like that. Mm-hmm. Dexter uh, got a uh, spider plant as a gift. How do I make it smaller? How do I take care of it? <laughs> well, spider plants are pretty easy to grow. Uh, one piece of advice is to water them with um, probably like uh, uh, distilled water. Or with a little bit of fertilizer, a little bit of fertilizer. The fertilizer tends to accumulate in the tips of those plants, and you get these brown tips. Uh, also, salts from our softened water can also uh, cause an issue. And uh, and it's very easy to care for. It likes a bright location. Uh, you'll have uh, uh, offspring or babies coming off of it, which are long, uh, come off of long stems and are like little tiny plants at the base. You can Cut those off and start them in another pot. Hmm, all right. Back to the phones uh, we go. Uh, all right. Jeannie's calling from uh, Montgomery. Good morning, Jeannie. Good morning. Hi. Good How morning. you there, Julie? Um, say, it, I got a little crazy. I did a, a, <laughs> a walk through the Arboretum oh, a few years back mm. and fell in love with the yeah. hydrangea area there. Yeah. And um, I had a, I've had a, an area just below my hill that's almost too steep to even walk up, and I decided that I was going to, planted full of these hydrangeas because it would have been, you know, very visible from the house. Well, I got a little crazy, and I planted (laughs) 21 of them. Wow. Yeah, I know I got a little stupid, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of them are going to be, you know, 8 feet tall when they get bigger. So what my question is, is is my bunnies have decided that they haven't really liked them yet, but I'm wondering what, if anything, the Arboretum does to protect um, any of the plants that are out there in the wintertime from munching bunnies what can you tell me of i mean well, hmm. it sounded to me like you said that pruning them you have to wait until the buds appear well what if the bunnies have taken care of the the, the pruning the, for you <laughs> yeah so um well with a, over a thousand acres to protect all of those plants uh from animals is really difficult um the arboretum put up a deer fence around its perimeter a few years ago, a number of years ago, and that's protected it from uh, deer populations from getting in there. So that's one way that they've uh, uh, been protecting their trees, in particular from deer. But rabbits are different, uh, and um, in a home environment like that where you have 21 of these plants, what I would recommend is, if possible, to put one large fence or several cluster, several large fences around multiple plants. So if you've got 21 plants uh, and, and um, right now they're not uh, very big, is that I would take hardware cloth, which I often refer to here, uh, at four feet tall, and I would put a fencing around clusters of those plants. So whatever, however it works for you, uh, however those plants are arranged. And I would do that in the fall. And then I would remove it in the spring and, um, and then do your pruning. If you use, uh, you can use blood meal around uh, plants as well. And you just uh, buy that. You can buy it online in 20-pound bags. And you would just take it out in a bucket and a, and a cup and you just <laughs> sprinkle it around the base of the plants. And that acts as a repellent. It also adds some nitrogen to the soil. So it's a, it's a, a beneficial, it's organic 
Um, and it also helps to repel animals from uh, chewing on the base of the plants. So that's what I would do. I would protect them in the winter with some fencing. You can roll the fencing up, tuck it in a shed or behind the garage in the summer. And then uh, in the, in, during the summer, the growing months, if you really have a rabbit population, I would use that blood meal around it. Okay. We need to take a break. Thank you, Jeannie. Uh, we'll uh, have more calls, more text messages here on our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M, who's going to be appearing with the rest of the Abiders next yeah, weekend. Yeah, next weekend at the American Legion in Hopkins. All right. Post. You guys always have fun, don't you? We do, yeah. Always. Yeah, the boys and me. All right, let's me see. Me and the boys. Me and the boys. Jim and Woodbury is next up on the phone with a question. Jim, thank you. What's your question, please? Well, I had a Christmas cactus. I've had it for about five years. Okay. It was uh, in a small pot kind of became pot bound i repotted it into a larger pot it's doubled almost tripled in size wow. but it's never bloomed okay so a christmas cactus is called a photo period plant meaning that it starts to set buds based on the reduced daylight that we have hence its name the christmas cactus that it will bloom at christmas supposedly sometimes they bloom at halloween and uh and so it's a matter of light and temperature so if you are, it likes to be in a cool, um, a little bit like removed from main windows and, uh, and the environment should be cooler. So check your temperature where it's being kept. It might be a little warmer in that spot and then maybe move it to a little darker corner to see if that actually helps. We have an excellent publication on our extension site under Holiday Cacti and uh, that will give you some more information as well. Uh, on how to do that. Okay. I Very love good. that plant. I have two of them. I have a Thanksgiving cactus, which is actually a different species, and I have Christmas cactus. All right. There's also an Easter cactus, which uh, is a completely different plant, but looks similar. For a different show. Yeah, for a different show. All right. Jim, thank you. Ken is calling from Blaine, I believe, with a question. Go ahead, Ken. Thanks. Good morning. Um, good morning. I have, an, I have an endless summer hydrangea, which I have had for several years, and uh a few years after I planted it, it actually did bloom. Great. And it bloomed uh, like a couple years in a row, and then it hasn't bloomed since. I get a lot of foliage. And I uh, I was talking to the people at uh, Bachman Nursery, one sure. of the nurseries, and, and they said that the, there's a problem with the endless summer hydrangea, that it, it tends to bloom and then it doesn't bloom again. And they had another blue hydrangea that they were selling at the time. This is last late last summer, okay. late last summer, and they said that this is a new variety that doesn't have that problem. Could you uh, expand a little bit about this <laughs> issue with the endless summer hydrangea? Well, <clears throat> the endless summer hydrangea came on the market, and we were all excited about it because everybody likes blue hydrangeas. The Nico hydrangea, which is a potted geranium or potted hydrangea that we buy as a florist type plant, it's not hardy here. Uh, we see it in the uh, stores, particularly around spring, late winter, early spring for Easter. Uh, beautiful plant, but it's not hardy. So everyone wished for a, a hardy hydrangea that we could have be blue in our landscapes. <clears throat> and uh, the endless summer came out, and one of the key factors is that it would bloom on new wood. In other words, the new sprouts that came up from the base as well as the, the uh, branches from last year. Um, it didn't quite pan out that way for Minnesota climates. Uh, and it has been kind of a struggle 
for a lot of people over the years to get it to rebloom. They like you, uh, Ken. You get a lot of foliage, um, but not much for flowers. And um, the blueness of that comes from uh, uh, treating that plant with uh, uh, special fertilizer to uh, adjust the pH in the soil and provide aluminum in the soil that will cause that those flowers to be blue. If you don't do that, you get pink flowers or they kind of have a greenish, uh, pinkish tinge to them as well. The The issue with uh, it just hasn't worked out. I'm not entirely clear why. It just has not been a good bloomer. And subsequently, uh, Bailey Nurseries, which is a, a fantastic wholesale plant breeder, longtime uh, Minnesota company here in South St. Paul, has produced many, many, many different kinds of hydrangeas. Um, some of them from that same line, but uh, improved varieties. And so I would recommend that if you have an endless summer and you're kind of frustrated by it, I wouldn't dig it up and get rid of it necessarily. That's your choice. But there are lots of other great hydrangeas that are that originate from Bailey Nurseries, a Minnesota company, and really can bring a lot of terrific uh, color and texture and shape and form to your landscape. So uh, uh, like the caller before, go on out to the Arboretum, to the Hydrangea Collection. You'll find it along about halfway around Three Mile Drive and uh, just before the road to the new B Center. And take a look at those different hydrangeas. And, and if, particularly if you go out there in the summer, you can see how they bloom, what they look like, how big they get. Uh, and uh, they are pruned periodically, but um, but not every year, I don't believe. And so uh, just Go out and take a look at that and investigate some of these terrific uh, other hydrangea varieties that we have. Good idea. Thank you, Ken. All right. Here's a text says this. Here's your creeping Charlie question. <laughs> I noticed some headed my way from the neighbor's yard. Would uh, a physical barrier keep them away or will it grow under? Nah, it'll grow right over it. <laughs> no, it's not going to stop. It. Yeah, it's not going to stop it. What I'd recommend is that you decide where that barrier, where that line would be. And you just manage it at that point. And I'm sure your neighbor won't care if you edge into their yard a little bit. Um, but I would utilize a triclopyr. I would improve that uh, soil area and uh, and try to, you know, you might want to try to grow plants that might compete with Creeping Charlie, um, which is tough. <laughs> but uh, having healthy turf there is that's very dense is going to be your best defense against Creeping Charlie. And then just make that imaginary line and just push it, keep pushing it back. At that point, don't try to solve your neighbor's problem necessarily. Texter, I think we have time for another one, Julie. Good morning, uh, Danny and Julie. I heard you mention uh, only watering at the base of a plant to avoid mold. My grandmother used to mist her plants. Is misting okay? Well, we don't recommend misting anymore. You used to be able to buy little brass misters that were cute, and and, uh, we don't recommend that because sometimes that water can sit on the leaves and cause leaf spot diseases. So misting is not recommended. All right. What's a galaxy snowberry? The rabbits uh, hit hard. Can I cut it down to uh, to reshape it? Yes, you can cut it down to reshape it. I'd recommend just kind of fencing it for now if you can, if you can just run a reel of fencing around it. Uh, and then reshaping it in the spring. All right. And f- first of all, before we let you go here, Julie. Wow, it's that time already. I know. Uh, get to the Arboretum. Not yes. you, because you go there often. I'll be there this week sometime, probably. This, this week sometime. <laughs> but uh, Highway Head West on 5 to That's 41. Right. That'll be the, That's right. the closest yeah. uh, intersection. 
And we'll see you guys, the abiders, at Next the weekend. in Hopkins. Yeah, January 11th and 12th at the Hopkins. At the Legion? Uh, American Legion. Okay. Yep, 7 to 11. And last but certainly not least, the website for the U of M. Yes, extension.umn.edu. If you did not get your question answered, utilize Ask Extension or Ask a Master Gardener. By the way, I printed out some more questions for you. Thank you very much. All right, Julie. Thanks very much. Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.